Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 13th Man Sports Live Show. It's Shane alongside Frankie. And I know we were supposed to do this yesterday, but someone fell asleep and missed our start time. And I tried doing it without him, but I was not prepared for it. Um, but thank you for joining us today, Frankie. It was, um, <laughs> it was a pleasure yesterday trying to do the show without you. Look, man, I uh, I got home from work and I was just just gassed. So I uh, went to bed, tried to take a quick like, 20, 30 minute nap. And it turned into three hours pretty quickly. And uh, I'm still not recovered. So... Here we are, you know, doing this. Uh, still tired somehow. I don't know. I don't know how you didn't set an alarm. I mean, you know, like when you work in the afternoon, right? Uh, you don't set an alarm because you just kind of expect to be awake by then. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> I was kind of in the same boat of I just had no backup plan. I even tried calling you, too. I was like, I'm going to give him a call and see if he answers. Yeah. And then no, no answer. No, my uh, phone's always on silent mode. So if you ever want to reach me, uh, it's on my time. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, but we, you know, we'll, we'll jump right into it. Uh, big news out of the CFL on Monday. Uh, the Board of Governors meeting happened at 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, 12, a, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time. And I think it was about 2 o'clock Eastern time that they came out and announced that there will be a season starting August 5th. Yeah, it was something like that, but... Uh... Oh, man, I couldn't have been happier when I uh, when I saw that tweet from, uh, I believe it was Justin Dunk, saying that season was going ahead, Shane. Oh, my God, I was excited when I saw that. Yeah, that, that's an understatement. I was ecstatic. I was waiting for it. Yeah. I was waiting for, for that announcement. I, honestly, it came sooner than I thought. I definitely thought it was going to be closer to 3, and it was like, I think, 1.30 well, when I the saw announcement it. was made. I saw everybody talking about how uh, it was going to be made later in the day. People were complaining about it. I'm like, guys, like that's obvious. I, I felt like the decision was going to come later into the night. I was happy that we got one when we did. Um, but, you know, even though we saw all the reports saying that there was a high likelihood that the answer was going to be a yes, did you not kind of have that sense of, you know, here we go again, they're going to vote no, we're in trouble? No, I, I didn't think so. I think by the time the vote came around, I think the, the big thing was when the, the players uh, voted to amend the CBA. Yeah. yeah. I was leaning definitely more on, okay, they're, they're going to say yes. They, it's all in their court. Uh, I don't know how the owners can justify saying no. If an owner like, says, it? yeah, like, and that's the thing. Is that like, if an owner said no, not going to go over well with the fan base. Well, that's it, too. Last year, they, they pawned it off on the players and said that it was their fault. And, I mean, I think we all kind of knew that that wasn't really the case. Uh, if At the very most, it was a shared thing between the league, the players, and the government, right? I think everybody kind of got that. This time, with what the players did, though, if they would have said no, I, we all know whose fault it would have been. Yeah, 100%. Considering the governments were... We're like, oh, yeah, well, we can give you the go-ahead. Like Saskatchewan, it was announced today uh, through Three Down Nation that uh, Saskatchewan's planning to have full capacity. Yeah, that's fantastic, by the way. That's going to be an absolute raucous environment. When did they When did they kick off? I think August 7th is their first one. I think so, yeah. I don't know who they play. Uh, I don't have the schedule right in front of me here. But that is going to be an absolutely insane environment. And, you know, if you live in Saskatchewan, you're probably going to be there. That's my guess. Oh, 100%. I mean, 
I feel like I think the the biggest thing. So yeah, they play against BC on the fifth, or on the sixth. I mean, on the Friday on the night. Sixth, okay. Uh, my my big thing was we're gonna have fans in Ontario as early as August twenty first. Yeah. When Toronto takes on Winnipeg in their home opener, and before we get into that though, like I want to like I want to address this. Ottawa plays Montreal, I think, like three or four times. Winnipeg plays Edmonton like three times. Ottawa and Winnipeg do not play each other at all this season. That was the same in the in the other schedule as well, though. We knew that was going to happen. We played Winnipeg once. Yeah, but there were some teams that I, I think Ottawa played. I, I think it was Edmonton was one of the teams. Not Edmonton. Calgary, I think. No, Calgary. I think, we, I think it was Edmonton. I I think there, was, or, there was somebody that we played twice out west. I think, and then no times at home, which was weird. Um, but, like, I, I was kind of expecting to not play certain teams. Uh, I just – I'm not in love with playing Montreal three times. But, I mean, you know what? Honestly, at this point, they could I mean, line they could line Ottawa up against Montreal 14 times this year, and I wouldn't care. I mean, we generally play Montreal, like, you know, for yeah. five, three or four times a year most of the time. But, yeah, going – so week one is Thursday night at 8.30 in Winnipeg. Uh, so it's a 7.30 Winnipeg start. Uh, 9.30 in Saskatchewan on the Friday. Saskatchewan hosting BC. Uh, and then we're kicking off Saturday. Saturday doubleheader with crazy matchups. Nick Arbuckle, Cordero Law, Eric Rogers, and co. are back in Calgary and facing the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, at seven o'clock, so that's uh, I think like a five o'clock start in uh, Calgary, and then at ten o'clock Eastern, so eight o'clock start in Edmonton. The Ottawa Red Blacks head over and take on the Edmonton Elk, but realistically, it's the Edmonton Green Yellows right now because <laughs> of how many former Red Blacks they have. Yeah, Trevor Harris, Sir Vincent Rogers. Uh, Greg Ellingson, Kevin Brown, Jonathan Rose. It's like it's pretty obvious that uh, their GM is it Keith or Brock Sutherland because one of say, them is the GM and one Keith. of them is the PA announcer in Ottawa. And I think it's I, Keith Sutherland in Edmonton and Brock Sutherland is our announcer in Ottawa. I believe that's the way it is as well, uh, but I always mix the two up for literally no reason at all. Um, but yeah, you can see that they kind of had the same blueprint as the Red Blacks had for a while, and they've liked the a lot of the same players. Um, I'm just through the roof that we're going to have some football to watch on August 5th. You know, to me, it doesn't even matter. Like, I'm a Red Blacks fan, always will be. Don't care how they play this season. They could suck and lose all 14 games, and I don't think I'd care one bit. Yeah, I mean... I don't think that's going to happen. Neither do I. I agree. Like having football back August 5th and having fans back from day one is ridiculous. Like I think that is such a huge improvement from where we were at a couple, like a month ago. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It is tough though to watch. Uh, I don't know if you've watched any of the Euros right now, but, um, Today in Italy was the least attended game that I've seen, and they're still, you know, 40% by the looks of things. It was still a very large crowd, 
it's frustrating that we haven't been able to go back to games yet. Um, you know, we should have been going to CPL games by now. We should have been going to CEBL games. Um, you know, we should have had no HL season. We should have had a CFL football season last year as well. All so, right, so we were wrong. It was Brock Sutherland, who's the manager of Edmonton. Okay. Yeah, it's – I don't know. I've never been more confused by those two names in my life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sorry. But, you know, I guess better late than never. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I agree that we should be, you know, CBL starts next Thursday in Ottawa between the Ottawa Blackjacks versus the Niagara River Lions. I'm disappointed I won't be able to go because mm-hmm. there's no fans allowed. Yeah. Then, like, that's going to be an interesting season as well. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but the CEBL is, like, that should be really fun this year. And I, I really hope that we're able to go to games at some point because, like, the Ottawa Blackjacks opened up their tenure in Ottawa by not never playing a game in Ottawa. This is the first time they're playing in Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you weren't aware of last year's um, season, it ended up playing in St. Catharines in, like, a two-week tournament. Which was actually a lot of fun to watch. It was a yeah, lot of fun was... to, to watch and cover. It saw the Edmonton Stingers take home the 2020 championship. Yep. Rattlers uh, are still the champions of my heart, though. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I know that. So that's opening up on the 24th. And that's going into, like, the early August for regular season. Yeah. Um, and we're, and we're going to be covering it. I think uh, – that's definitely one thing. If you want to make sure to stay stay tuned on my Twitter, I'll be covering most, like all the games and have some things written up for the website um, for that. But it's exciting. CPL starts in what two weeks? Starts on the twenty sixth. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't stuck my nose too deep into the CPL stuff. I like man. I like soccer, but I I hate there's no soccer. coverage. There's no coverage in this country, and I, I noticed that yesterday. Um, it's because one soccer owns all the rights. Yeah, but it's ridiculous. The Canadians men's national team is going to the final round for the first time in 24 years. And the only reason I know that is because Eddie Benhin of 613 Sports and AJ ba- Jakubek of TSN 1200. No, yeah, see, uh, nobody else. But yeah, but I mean, that's all because of one soccer. And like, mm-hmm. I understand that there probably wasn't enough of a, a, a target audience or a market for like TSN or Sportsnet. But at the same time, how can you like I, my issue with one soccer and I think like CBL like I don't know you, you should know this I've been posting about it like ridiculous CBL just announced CBL plus yep. a free streaming service to watch all the games and a bunch of other content you can pay for more content I think it's like three dollars a month or yeah, it's not not too expensive like 20 bucks a month or something like that uh, but one soccer, like, there's no free option. You have I to looked, buy into I it. looked at a one soccer subscription. I think there was a six month option available for seventy dollars. Yeah, see, I'm like, how like, much? How much is actually on here other than the CPL and the occasional men's national team game? Yeah, and it's just like I think I think it's like all men's, all men's national. I think maybe even women's national uh, stuff like that. But yeah, I agree. Like the the C, the one soccer, unless you're a huge soccer fan in my opinion, isn't worth it. And if you're a casual soccer fan like us, can't really justify buying into it. And you know what, though? I was told that uh, if I were to buy season tickets to Atletico Ottawa, 
I get a free one soccer subscription, and I believe you also get a jersey. But honestly, man, I heard two hundred bucks for season tickets, and uh, you get like ten games or whatever. That that sounds like a pretty solid deal to me. That might be something. Really honestly, I think that might, that's something that might be a move for next year. Yeah, even this year. Like, like I think I think they've got some crowds happening. I think it's a uh, bubble when they come back. Played. For the first half of the season. Yeah, and then I wasn't they come sure back if to. They, if they if they were coming back at all, I thought yeah, it was they, just going to be in Winnipeg. I believe they come back midway through the season, which, I mean, that's not a terrible setup. Like, whatever works, you got to get back on the field for them. But, um, you know, they played last year, too, out in a bubble. That was, uh, honest to God, the the weirdest setup I've ever seen because they had a CGI stadium built. <laughs> I don't know if you watched any of the games. Uh, it no, was, I did not. Yeah, the, so they had – they played in, like, some university field in uh, Nova Scotia, I think maybe Halifax, um, and there's no, like, seating area, so they, like, CGI'd it in. That's weird. I don't know why weird you just wouldn't leave it. Weird. Should have just played in Moncton. Played at the yeah. arena in Moncton. I don't know. But whatever works. It was still a weird broadcast, nonetheless. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, yeah, but with the, C- the CPL coming back, on the 26th, you have the CEBL on the, tw- on the 24th, and then you have basically a month before CFL starts. Month mm-hmm. and a bit, month and two weeks before before the CFL starts. And man, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think we're also going to start getting people from different teams on, uh, so they can start talking to us about the rosters. Uh, so, looking at <laughs> Rod Peterson, I'd love to talk to uh, AJ Jackubic again. I've done that for the hockey stuff, but. Uh, Jordan's Lamazlik is another guy that uh, we've had on before that I'd love to talk to again. Um, so, you know, if you if you have a certain person that you want to hear from for your favorite team, please let us know because we don't have connections uh, on every team right now. So if you know anyone that you want to hear from, let us know. We'll try to get it sorted out. But I we'll do want to have getting, somebody from. I think we'll try getting Campbell on from Edmonton. Okay, yeah. He'd be, he'd be good to have on. Yep. Also getting players back on. I think that's yes. something we're going to try starting to get done in the next couple of weeks. Let's have players on. Uh, maybe not for the full episode, obviously, but um, for for part of it. So that, that'll be something to look forward to when the season pops up. And obviously, I don't know if you haven't looked on our Twitter yet or our Instagram. I don't know about our Facebook because I don't run our Facebook. That's all Frankie. And I, I haven't put anything else. Um, so Frankie's lacking on Facebook, but is what it is. Follow us on Twitter as well. <laughs> some um, stuff goes on Facebook that you miss on Twitter, and some stuff goes on Twitter that you miss on Facebook. Yeah, that's not surprising. But so we've officially announced that we will be doing a CFL live show uh, pregame throughout uh, the season for as many games as possible. I know both Frankie and I are going to be going to as many Red Blacks games as possible. I don't think I'll be going to many this year. Uh, I think I'm only going to go to like three or four out of the seven. Yeah. Uh, depending on, on situation. Yeah. But for the most part, I think we're going to have uh, a CFL pregame for, for a majority of the season. As many games as possible. I mean, I'm still working uh, in the evenings occasionally. So, 
wherever possible is when we'll do it. Um, you know, maybe we'll have, maybe we can do some pre-recorded stuff. I don't know. We haven't really looked into that things yet. So yeah, I mean, most of this is just because we have no coverage coming from TSN pregame other than like a quick 15 minute hit where they talk about, Oh, tonight's starting quarterback, Mike Riley, that everybody's heard of, you know, <laughs> we don't really have any deeper, harder hitting pregame shows with them. Like we would in the NFL. Yeah. And I think for us, like we're, we're still trying to get into the, into maybe doing some live stuff at like at the arena and whatnot and having people call in. So the, having the CFL season has actually made us turn the corner officially because that's what we've been waiting for a lot. Like we started this, what I'd say probably 15 months ago now. And we In haven't April. seen a single, we haven't seen a single football fly, not one. And it's really yeah. difficult to do a CFL show without CFL football. So just to have it back is like a massive weight off my shoulders because at, at some points when it wasn't back yet, Shane. I don't know about you, but I was thinking about, okay, what do we do when the league folds? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's kind of why we started branching off, and now we're 13th man sports instead of, you know, just the 13th man uh, podcast focusing on the CFL. Now we do everything. Yeah. But kind of going back onto the CFL topic, what is your most excited matchup of the season? Because I already know mine. What will be yours? Yeah, I think for me, it's every time Ottawa and Toronto play each other because the argument of Matt Nichols versus Nick Arbuckle is one that I think we're going to see for as long as those two quarterbacks are on the franchise they're on right now. So I just – I think the comparisons for them are going to be crazy. I think we're going to see some exceptionally hot takes when those two teams meet. Uh, and I think the Argos have the weapons – to help out Nichols, and I think the Red Blacks have the weapons to help out. Or sorry, the Argos have the weapons to help out Nick Arbuckle, and the Red Blacks have the op- the weapons to help out Matt Nichols. Minus Jalen Saunders, now I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, he retired. Well, he got he retired. Yeah, uh, as well as Danny Manson and uh, JP JC Bulldog. Bulldog. Uh, JP Bulldog. Yeah, uh, he also retired. Bulldog. Yeah, I, don't um, know, I apologize. Yeah, uh, same. But for me, my my first my highlight meeting, Edmonton, BC, week three. Okay. Trevor Harris versus Mike Riley, Rick Campbell versus Jamie Alonzo. You know, I just you have the old head coach versus his former OC, and then you have the two quarterbacks that were basically swapped for each other. You know, they let like Riley left. They brought in Harris to replace Riley. And then you add in all the pieces because they both have Ottawa connections and they've all that there's players on both sides that have been teammates with Ottawa under both coaches. That's, that's a matchup. I'm excited to see. And I'm excited to see it every time it happens this season. I don't think there's a matchup that is underwhelming. Not, I don't think there's one. Ottawa, I mean, Montreal. No, I think, I think those are good matchups too, because but I think Ottawa and Montreal. Wise. Storyline-wise, there's nothing there. Those two teams, I think, have developed – I think Montreal is is Ottawa's biggest rival right now. You could make the argument that it's Hamilton. I think it's Montreal just because of the amount of times that they've seen each other, uh, the amount of important games that they've played against each other. You know, uh, if – like Montreal and Hamilton are Ottawa's biggest rivals. Not Like Toronto's not there. 
Um, oh, no, not at all. Toronto's not even close. But, like, just looking at some of these matchups, we opened the season off with a Grey Cup rematch two years later. Uh, who's the starting quarterback for the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats? What does uh, Zach Cueros look like? Does he kind of revert back to the form that he had after he left the Tiger Cats? Does he maintain that Blue Bombers form? We don't know. Uh, Toronto-Calgary, that is an incredibly interesting matchup to me because of the turnover and amount of ex-Stampeders who are now on the uh, the Argos. You know, the Lions and the Stamp- and the, uh, the Rough Riders, that should be a good game. Uh, Ottawa-Edmonton, that'll be a good game. Like, you know, even matchups like uh, Montreal and Calgary that you don't think have much build up no, to them on paper because Montreal has Montreal has a history against Calgary. Exactly. Exactly. But I feel um, like Ottawa Montreal just had, there's no storylines there. There's nothing to really dive into right now. I think there, I think there is in a way because I feel like the matchups between those two have always historically been pretty one-sided. It'd be either Montreal comes in and they're the really good team and Ottawa sucks or Ottawa's a really good team and Montreal sucks. True. I think those those games, like especially this year, when you play a team four times, if you lose all four of those games, your season's in trouble. So I think yeah. the season series with Ottawa and Montreal goes a long way to deciding who finishes ahead between the two of them. And, you know, they're going to be extremely important games. Agreed. I just think, like, when you look at it, you know, especially in the East, and, you know, Toronto and, and Hamilton – Will clash for this first spot. Those will be like absolutely th- those juicy two, matchups. Those two should finish one two. You know, I think most people will agree that uh, Hamilton Toronto should finish one two in the East, either on or on paper with, and then Ottawa and Montreal battling out for that third spot in the East. Like that, I think if you ask most people, that's kind of how the East is going to shake up. So, you know, but here's the thing, you know, Toronto and Hamilton, if one of those teams falters against either Ottawa or Montreal, while the other has success against either of those two teams, you know, that, that in in, in and of itself is a storyline. I, I just feel like this year there's so much, every game matters so much more yeah. than in previous years. Like that four games, like losing those four games is a huge change for players. Yep. And I don't I haven't really looked at uh, everybody's schedule yet so I don't know who people don't play, but could it not be considered an absolutely massive advantage for the Red Blacks to never once have to play the defending Grey Cup champions? No, because that'd probably be the biggest storyline of the season. Our, like, uh, I mean, I don't think so cuz like La Police, you know, former quarterback, former head uh, OC I don't think so. I think it might be actually a dis- disadvantage. To not have to play what is right now probably one of the two best teams in the league? Yes. You think so? So if you went and you replaced two of those Montreal matchups with matchups against Winnipeg, you think that the Red Blacks would have a worse or a better record? I don't think they have the same record. I, I say they have the same record. I think they have a I think Ottawa, I think this is a one year where you look at it and you're like, oh, I can't tell who will actually win. And that that's kind of where I'm at with the whole East Division. I mean, I think Hamilton's the heavy favorite. But then again, uh, you know, let's say you trot out Jeremiah Mazzoli to be your starting quarterback. How bad 
do the interceptions hurt you if he continues to throw them? Uh, if it's Dane Evans, is he a flash in the pan? Does he come back and have a season like he did last year? Uh, those are all kind of valid questions. With the Argos, I have questions surrounding Nick Arbuckle as well. Does he kind of live up to the expectations and the hype that he was given coming into last offseason? The Red Blacks, have they done enough to fix the issues that they had? Um, you know, Obviously, the quarterback position was terrible. Uh, the receiving positions were not good enough, and they just took a big blow by losing Jalen Saunders. Uh, and the running back position, they still haven't really done much to address other than hoping Brennan Gitlanders is the answer. And then, Which, you know, for Montreal. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I think he deserves a chance, but there's no guarantee that he's the answer is, is basically the point that I'm bringing up. And Montreal didn't hasn't really – I can't say that they've gotten worse on paper. I think they've gotten way better. But, you know, I think that's going to be – a really interesting division. And you know what? Honestly, Shane, I think there's a chance that we see an East crossover. Really? You think you think Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, or Hamilton finishes higher than any of the five teams in the West? In terms of record? Yeah. I mean, the playoff format is the same as it is right. it, it, it was previously. So all they have to do is have the worst team in the East be better than two teams in the West. That's what I'm saying, though. Is that like you think that any of the East teams will fit the the fourth East team will finish better than the fourth or the third or yeah the the third West team? I certainly think it's possible. I mean, this is this is one of those years where I can't go into the season saying that there's definitely going to be a West crossover or definitely going to be an East crossover because I, I don't think, think I don't the think there will be a so, crossover. That I think that's the the other option, but. I can't really see there being a West crossover unless somebody in the East is way worse than I'm expecting. Which, I mean, is possible. I think... Absolutely. I think Ottawa... I think most people, if you were to ask, Ottawa would probably be the favorite to finish last in the East. Which, that kind of makes me wonder. I think maybe people forget just how good Matt Nichols is if he can stay healthy. And that's a big if because he's never played a full season as a starter. But, you know, that same question, if you want to play that game, that has to be raised about Jeremiah Mazzoli. That has to be raised about Zach Claros. You know, Cody Fajardo yeah. hasn't done it either, whether he Even, has an injury know, history or not. Trevor Harris yeah, and Mike Riley. Like, Mike Riley is, like – and I think that's the thing. is that If you look across the board – Two of the last three seasons where we had football, every single starting quarterback missed at least one game. But I think if you look across the board, I think there's only two teams – right now that if they lost their starting quarterback, you can feel comfortable with who they have as a backup. And that's, you know, Hamilton and Toronto. Yep. I think most people would feel comfortable having uh, Bethel Thompson as their backup as much as I don't like him. You know, he's, he's definitely there. And you know what? I wouldn't write off McCaw Bethel Thompson to win the starting quarterback job. No. Training camp. I, don't think I would so. not put that past him. I don't think so. I think it'd be a cold. Like if they do, then I feel bad for Arbuckle because I Arbuckle absolutely left a situation where he was basically going to be the starting quarterback to to go to Toronto, where I'd assume he'd be the starting quarterback. I I think that if he does win the starting job, which I expect him to, I think that there's still a chance that McLeod Bethel Thompson ends up taking it. 
but I do kind of feel that Toronto might have Arbuckle on a short leash, knowing that McLeod Bethel Thompson can play at the CFL. I, I don't think Dinwiddie is going to have Arbuckle on a short leash. I think it depends how how good the team is. You know, if they seriously think they can win championships and Arbuckle isn't winning them football games, I think they'll make the switch pretty quickly. Maybe, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like you you let Nichols go to bring in Arbuckle. You didn't do that to be a starting quarterback. No, or I know. to be a bench yep. quarterback. Uh-huh. So is it one of those things where you just allow him to work through the struggles? Like you have a rookie you – you have a guy who's never even been an OC. I think that's the thing that I ha- – like the biggest question mark shouldn't be Arbuckle. It should be Dinwiddie. Can a guy who goes from a quarterback's coach to a head coach and skip that entire like OC position actually be an effective head coach? Yeah, and I we saw it like we saw just how much uh, a bad off or a bad coach can bring you down with uh, Clay Brooks and BC last year. They went no, and I mean that had that had something to do with their terrible offensive line, but that team was a dumpster fire all around. But that team was a dumpster fire offensively because Clay Brooks isn't an offense. Like, their defense yep. wasn't bad. I just think Clay Brooks took the brunt of it for Ed Harvey's shitty job as a manager up there. Yeah. Well, you know what? The funny thing about them being a dumpster fire all the way around is they came to Ottawa and they absolutely kicked the shit out of the Red Blacks, including a Lamar Durant touchdown pass, if I remember correctly. Probably. So – yeah, that was that was the night where I actually went down to the south side and didn't watch the game. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but I don't know. I feel like here, here's my thing though: is that if Rick Campbell, because everyone's like, "Oh, he's been to the Grey Cup three times in Ottawa," ignoring hey, the previous horrible seasons, I honestly think that it, if he does not make it to at least the West Final this year, there. Could be some question marks around him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, well, there was question marks of surrounding him when he left Ottawa, and I mean, people love to point out the the record and and show just how terrible of a coach he is in the CFL. Uh, but we got to remember he has a two and fourteen season mixed in there, and a season where Marcel Desjardins let all of his best players walk. You know, another a, a two but a two and sixteen fair, and a three and fifteen season. To, is what we to be fair, it. though. He also went eight, nine, and one yep. with those same players. Yep. And you so, know, you, so what? What kind of coach? Like he went eight, nine, and one, eight, nine, and one, and then I think like twelve and six, or eleven and seven. Eleven and seven? No, it was like twelve and six, wasn't it? Twelve 11 and, and six was the twenty fifteen team. Uh, I'm gonna check because I'm pretty sure was it eleven and seven because they it won was eleven the, and seven because they they fell one game short of uh, tying their best record. I'm almost positive of that. Uh, I will check. So I'm on the CFL website already. Yeah, but um, they were 11 and seven. Yeah. Okay. I thought they were 12 and six. But either way, you go eight, nine, and one, eight, nine, and one, and then 11 and seven with those same guys. So how much? Like, if you're going to tell me that everyone else on this team is that bad, that you go from barely a 500 team to being the worst team in the league because you let it go of like five players. So either everyone else on the team sucks, or the coach got the coach lost the room. Well, I think I think it kind of has. Not everybody sucks, but they didn't have, you know, the game breakers that they needed. They lost Greg Allenson, who was 
probably their best receiver at that time. You lost Deontay Spencer the same offseason when he went to the NFL. You lost Trevor Harris as much as I don't really like him. Uh, he's a good enough quarterback to win you some football games. Uh, William Powell was a game-breaker they lost. They lost Sir Vincent Rogers, who did a lot for them offensively. Uh, you lost a lot I mean, of really good hurt, players. So I don't know if, if keeping Sir V would have actually made a difference. Well, he got hurt in training camp, so I, I, I choose not to say that, you know, they, they lost something by losing him from his football team regardless. Um, I don't but, know. I feel like Jamie losing Jamie Elizondo so close to training camp is what hurt them more yeah. than – actually losing the players. I feel well, like that, if, if they we were, had Jamie, we were told that. What? We were told that by Jonathan Rose and, and uh, Sherrod yeah. Baltimore, that not having the ability to replace Jamie Elizondo before training camp, running with Winston October and uh, Joe Pow Pow. Yeah. You can't do anything about that. Those guys, you know, Winston October like, was a receivers coach. Uh, yeah. You can't flip him into the spot. And that's why, you know, when people bring up the Red Blacks roster and they say, well, it's not very good. I'm like, yeah, but, You've got Matt Nichols now. You've got who I believe Paul Lapolice this morning said that he's like another coach on the field. You put him out there with Brad Sinopoli, who's extremely experienced in these situations. You know, you got RJ Harris out there. Hopefully they have left the door open for Jalen Saunders. Hopefully he comes back. It sounds like it. It just yeah. it sounds like they needed they wanted the roster spot. So it was put easier to put him on the retired list, let him get healthy. Yeah. And then he could make a comeback later in the year. Well, speaking of the retired list, the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders also said today that they're going to have to put some people there because they're not under the cap, or they're they're no, over the the limit of players there. they can have. They what do they what do they say they have? Is it 100? They have a hundred? They have a you you can carry a hundred people at camp. They have a hundred and fourteen. Yeah. So they said there's going to be some retirements coming for them. Um. So. You know, but back to the the point about the Red Blacks. You've got your quarterback now. You've got a couple of receivers who can be really good. Um, you know, you got Timothy Flanders that's going to play out there as well. You've got Brandon Galanders who hopefully gets the chance. But most importantly, the thing that can't be overlooked here is the experience that Paul Lapolice brings, and him being not only the head coach but also the offensive coordinator. That is the key to this team. Yeah, and I mean, they're, uh, you know, who they have on the defense. Like, Benavides is going to be a huge, in my opinion, and, and I think this is the thing, is that Benavides was a good coach, but you don't, defensive-minded coaches don't work in the CFL. Benavides got the same treatment in BC that Clay Brooks got in BC. But I'm excited to see Benavides with that defense and what they do. But, you know, we could talk CFL and the incidents we, of it. We can, we can keep going. I, I'm okay with that. What else are we going to talk about? The Blue Jays and their shambles of a bullpen? We can do that later. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll stay on CFL for about five more minutes and then head over to another topic for the last 20 minutes. But, yes, the uh, I think Campbell – there's a lot of question marks around Campbell right now. Yeah. On if – because, like, you look at the, the three seasons that he went to the Grey Cup – uh, he wouldn't have made the playoffs in, I think, 2016. You I'd know? argue the 2016 version of the Red Blacks was the best team they ever had. Possibly, but they still finished 8-9-1. and one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think if you look at it, yeah, he has a first. And here's the thing. what? How 
I mean, I know the players were different. Like, I know they kind of replaced their entire receiving core. So he went from, you know, two and fourteen. Yep. To twelve and six. Yep. The receiving core was better. You know, they brought in Sinopoli. Uh, Allingson, I believe, came in that year as well. Yep. Chris Williams came in that year. Chris Williams. Although he had no. a problem. Yep. He had a problem. Uh, no, Chris oh, no, Williams came in that year. Chris Williams had a problem with catching the football sometimes, but oh my God, when he caught it, he was unstoppable. Yeah, and you had Ernest Jackson come in. Yep. Uh, Patrick like, Lavoie came in, or he yeah. was there that year as well. He was so like, you, a you, steady you, pair you, of hands. You restored the receiving core. There yep. were, but I just I feel like if you actually look at the teams year to year, especially like – you look at the actual team from 2018 to 2019. They lost like five players. Outside of those five players, I feel like most of the team was back. Yeah, but it was who they lost and what they didn't do in the offseason. Hey, because, uh, you know, you, you can you can stomach losses like that if you make a play to get somebody else. And that, that's why when they lost Trevor Harris, I was pretty confident that they were going to go do something. I thought that we'd see Zach Caleros. I thought that we might see as much as much of a long shot. It felt like you, you're like, okay, you, now you got to go get your Bo Levi Mitchell or a Mike Riley because you lost such a good quarterback uh, in the in the scheme of CFL things. Um, you had to do something to replace him. As much as I love Dominique Davis, that didn't turn out to be the answer. No, obviously, which is why they went out and got Arbuckle. Yeah. But at the same time, if you you know, I think everyone had high hopes for RJ Harris and Dominic Rhymes stepping up and replacing Alex. And, yeah, and you look at guys like Moses Madu, who unfortunately retired, but like if you watch him, like he was the easy replacement for, for Powell. You felt like he could step into that. So it's not like Ottawa didn't have players that they felt were ready to take that step. And that's where the offensive coordinator comes into things. Do you yeah. think that if they had they had Paul Lapolis in 2019, they could have potentially done a little bit more than yes. you know three and out, three and out, or two and 100%. out? One hundred percent. The that offense was the most predictable offense in the CFL. Unbelievably predictable. Run, pass, run, pass, run, pass. It was run on first down, get stopped for maybe two yards, and then throw because you had no choice. And you know what's kind of crazy, too? If you look back against the Calgary Spam Peters in, in game number one, sure, Dominique Davis, I think he threw three interceptions. He threw four, but two of them hit off of receivers' hands. Yeah. And then one of them, I think, he, the receiver ran, uh, ran the wrong route. Yeah. But didn't he also throw for, like, two more and then run for three more? I think something like that. For touchdowns? It was a ridiculous game. And he, he, he honestly, in that game, to me, Looked like he was starting his first game, or you know, as a, as a full time starter. And I was like, okay, you know what? We won the football game. We went to Calgary. And we won the game. That's the best start you can. Here's can ask the thing, for. in my opinion, Campbell should have been fired after week four. If you actually yeah. watch the team's kind of confidence from week two to week three to week four, it just kind of plummets. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to say too. Week two, that looks like one of the best football teams to put on the uniform. The red black uniform. Yeah. Like Dominic Davis was absolutely slinging the football around that game. They looked really, really good. And you know what? I will die on the hill. 
that I think that when Dominic Davis went into the bench area of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and got hit after running that ball, I think he got hurt. Probably. And I, w- I, think I wouldn't be surprised then. Because immediately after, he didn't look like that same quarterback. He couldn't move. Uh, he was having a tough time. So not to make excuses, I think he got hurt there. Um, anyway, Shane, we have spent way too much time talking about the Red Blacks. So uh, let's well, we got a that. question uh, from Hussey's Huddle. Uh, speaking of Trevor Harris, I think he's in store for a massive season this year. Thoughts? I do not. I think you're going to see him regress. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not sold on that, but I'm also not sold on him taking the next step. I think that at this point, uh, I think we've seen what Trevor Harris is. I think we know that he is capable of coming out one night and looking like the absolute best quarterback in the CFL, and then the next game he'll come out and he'll lay an egg. If he can figure out just how to harness whatever – I don't know what he does to come out and look like the, the best quarterback in the league, but if he can harness that black magic voodoo stuff that he does before the game and do it every time, they will win the Grey Cup this year. See, I think like Jamie Alonso is going to have a huge, huge factor – and have a huge um, say, or not say, like he's going to have a huge impact on Trevor Harris this season. Yeah, and this if that's the guy, case, you know what, Edmonton fans, get ready for the swing pass because you're going to see it every second down. And that's the thing, is I, I, I honestly don't think so. I think Edmonton's the worst team right now. And like in terms of offense and offensive predictability with Harris, i rather Riley, i rather Fajardo, i rather Bo Levi. I'd rather Caleros. I'd rather any of the other four quarterbacks in the West than Harris right now in terms of just straight predictability. Edmonton's going to be a tough team. That defense is solid. That O-line is going to make things hard on uh, opposing defenses. Who do they defenses. have? They have Derek Dennison. Who else was it that they signed? Uh, pretty sure they brought back uh, Sir Vincent. Yep. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. That's who it was. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. So, I don't know how I forgot that. Even if, so, if you're looking at a serve, a survey and a, a Darius tackle combo or something of the sorts, you know that O line's still going to be effective. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. I feel like Edmonton is one of those teams that, like on paper, especially on the defensive side of the ball, should do really well, but all like they all rely heavily on how Harris plays, and I don't see Harris playing well on a consistent enough basis. Like these 14 games, he needs to be like on his game for like 10 of them. Yeah. And that's, that's the tough thing. As you go, as your quarterback goes, you go. If your quarterback is playing really, really well, you will have a really good football team. Case in point, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Uh, Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, you know, how your quarterback plays determines how your team plays. So when he's when he's lights out, the team's unstoppable. When he's not, you're barely going to go anywhere. And you know what? I promise you, Edmonton fans, if Jamie Elizondo has any say in the play calls, you're going to pull your hair out after week three, after the 43rd swing pass. Ask any Red Blacks fan. We hated Jamie Elizondo's swing passes. They were miserable. Because Harris can't throw the ball deep. He can. He can. I think he can. He can throw it to the short side, but you really get it if you can. If you can force him to make a wide, like a wide field throw, 
he doesn't have the arm strength. He can't. The amount of times where I've seen him kind of just flutter a pass in when he should have made like when he should have put some actual like power behind it on a on a wide field throw is ridiculous. If yeah. you can force him to throw it to the wide side of the field as a defense, he, he you're gonna beat him. Even even more for Elizondo though, it's not just swing passes, it's screens and it's runs to the outside. I don't know what it is about Elizondo, but he refuses to use the middle of the field. And once you get figured out, once they know that the outside run is coming, you're in trouble. So you know what? If if they let him make play calls, you're gonna end up in some questionable situations. Yeah, go, okay, so you talk about arm strength. Go watch some of his games with Ottawa, and look at some of the throws that he makes to the wide side. I think like, that might also have something to do with when he's on. I think he can make those throws. When he's yeah, when, not, I think, I think it like he also just kind of telegraphs he, what he's going to do when he's not. Oh, locked in, I, laser focused. I rewatch, rewatch the East final against Hamilton. The amount of times that he just locks onto a receiver and doesn't go through any other's reads. Like ten times in the first half. Yeah, well, you can do that if the guy's open, which, you know, with Edmonton, that might happen quite frequently. Yeah, like Joel Walker, that is going to make a difference. But again, go back watch any of his games, especially after a bye week. Yeah, he doesn't like those. Like, go he watch. Does not like bye weeks. Go watch him after a bye week. Go. There are times where you just want to rip your friggin' hair out. Because but, there are throws that you look at and you're like, this yeah. isn't the unit. This isn't the NFL field. You can't be making those throws. He looks lazy sometimes, and that's the, been my that's been my biggest issue with Harris. The bye week thing, by the way, I think that's more of a uh, that might have something to do with him, but I think that's also an, a Red Blacks problem. They've never performed coming off of the bye week. That's so it's why, a Campbell problem. Is it what could you're be. saying? It very well could be a Rick Campbell <laughs> problem. Because, like, that should be on the coaches, right? If you're yeah, having troubles coming out of a bye week, that should be a camp. That should be a coach's problem. And that, you know what, that's an interesting point you raised, too, because we're going to find that out this year. I just find it so hard to believe that when you have leaders like Trevor Harris or Henry Burris, that you can't figure out how to play coming off a bye week. I don't know, man. I feel like Trevor Harris wasn't as good of a leader as people thought he was. Maybe. Uh, know. You know, we had those reports with uh, – with some of the players being like, huh, you know, a lot of pointing fingers at other people and not enough. That was himself. Henry Burris too, by the way, I think. But Henry Burris at least had a, a career to back it up. Yeah. And Henry Burris yeah. also could look himself in the mirror and know when he has to play better. Good the hang, amount of times, Good like hang, the amount of, Yeah, I mean, the amount of times you, you listen to his interviews, he's like, he's admitted that there's times where he has to play better. But he expects 110% out of everyone every week. Yeah. Sounds like Trevor Harris only expected 110% out of everybody but himself every week. How long before we get to Henry Burris for OC calls in Ottawa again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, the, uh, yeah, what did we want to get to? Because we've been now, now we've gone too far. Hey, I mean, you wanted to continue talking about the CFL. Uh, you know what, man? Because I'm just so excited. Like It's been so I, I, long since we've uh-huh. actually been able to talk about an upcoming season. Just, I, I'm so tired of talking about will they, won't they. Now I just want to talk about 
Like when when we go to the stadium and we sit outside of it and we do a live show there when the Red Blacks are at training camp, that's going to be fun. I'm excited to do that. Right. Uh, I just kind of I just kind of planned that for us right now. We not going to talk <laughs> about fine. that, but we just need to make sure that we have all the equipment set up. Yeah, uh, maybe do it on like a Monday when training camp opens up and we can yeah. go do it. Like I'm. Uh, I'm just excited to see the guys back on the field. I can't wait to see the pictures of the players at camp, you know, smiles ear to ear, just be back doing what they love. I just, I, yeah, I, it's, it's going to be so nice having, like, being able to talk to players and being like, oh, what have you guys done in quarantine? For Like, I'm tired of that. Those I want to be like, okay, like, let, what, are, what, are you, what are you excited for for this season? What are you yeah. doing to get you ready for this season? Have you – like I'm excited for a deep dive now that we've been expect like we've wanted to do for the last like 15 months. Yeah, and I mean I think next week uh, Eddie Benhin, who we I mentioned a little earlier, is coming on to uh, talk about the Canadians men national team because what they've done is absolutely exceptional, and I don't think there's been enough coverage about that. Uh, but you know I think we're going to start to get to those conversations about the teams in specifics. Uh, I want to hear from the fans of certain teams what they think about their teams. And I want to ask the the experts because it's about that time, Shane. I'm what are we eight seven weeks away from something, the season starting? Something like that, yeah. Tomorrow we're seven weeks away. Yeah, and tomorrow we're a week away from the CEB. Yeah. So that's another thing. Before we we jump off, that is something I want to talk about. Uh, I'm a huge basketball fan. As much as the NBA annoys me. Um. Okay, we'll answer this question real quick. Uh, after the long layoff, it will it, it will it hurt or help some of these guys? Uh, it really depends. Um, I think the no preseason could hurt some people. Uh, I think guys like Nick Arbuckle – or not Nick Arbuckle, uh, Matt Nichols and Simone Lawrence – not Simone Lawrence, uh, Trevor wow. – <laughs> Struggling? Um, Having a hard time? Do you need uh, it next time? Mazzoli, there you go. Uh, guys who, who got hurt. And had some like major injuries. Having that entire year off could benefit them. They're coming back yeah. so much stronger than they would have last year. Uh, so it should help them in that sense. Like you know, Jonathan Rose, that with his neck issue, hopefully having the full year off has allowed they had him two full years off, pretty much. Yeah, uh, hopefully it allow has allowed him to come back to an all star peak. Uh, so I think it's it's going to be very hit or miss. There's some guys that may take a little while. I'm expecting the first three weeks to be dog shit, honestly. Like, and that's no offense to, you know, the players. It's just no preseason. You've been out of the game for 15 months. I would caution fans to not expect some like over the wind, you know, football. Expect you know like what you saw from the first couple of weeks of the NFL, and that's what it's going to be like in the CFL. You know what I'm actually expecting? I'm expecting to see some of the most energized uh, full effort football that we're going to see outside of the playoffs. Because I think that for these guys getting the news that they're going to come back, you have to be just like so excited, almost giddy, you know, feeling like you're a kid again kind of thing. And I mean, a lot of these guys have been working office jobs for the last year. How excited do you think a guy like Marco Dubois, who's been working on farms, is going to be to finally hit the field again, put the pads on and hit somebody or, you know, even in some cases get hit. You know, I, I think these guys are going to have a kind of balls to the wall mentality to start the season, whether that tapers off or not is yet to be seen, but I think we'll see some good football. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be fun. But moving on from, from the CFL for this episode, CBL. Starting up on the 24th, like I said earlier in the show, this is high-level basketball. You know, these are high-level basketball. A lot of uh, Team Canada international members uh, that have represented internationally are in this league. A lot of homegrown talent, university-level players are in this league. You know, Lloyd Pandy uh, out of Carleton, he had a, a great year in Carleton in 20, uh, 2019-2020, helping them win the national title, and then got drafted by the uh, by the Black Jackets, Black Jacket, Black Jacks, um, in the 2020 CBL draft as a, a university player, and had a great year. He won 2020 uh, Rookie of the Year. He was a co 2020 Rookie of the Year winner, and then got redrafted because uh, you only drafted for one year uh, by the Niagara River Niagara River Lions. So, I think. If you like basketball, and it's free to watch, um, you should go to CBL, uh, the website, Go look out for CBL Plus and register. Totally yeah. free, great way to sh- stream all the games. You're not locked into one team. You're not locked into certain games. You can watch all the games. They also broadcast, uh, I think, one or two games every Saturday uh, nationally on CBC. Yeah. I mean, we're not sponsored by them or anything, but, um, you know, just to see the league grow, I guess it's kind of, yeah. But I want to see that league grow. It uh, has gotten off to a fantastic start. Um, It kind of put the CFL to shame last year, to be honest, considering they got to play games and the CFL didn't. I don't care that, you know, the CFL has 46 players and the CEBL has 13 to worry about. I don't care. Uh, when a league that's been around for one year before a bubble season plays and you don't, you should be ashamed. But, um, you know, they've done a fantastic job putting the league together. I'm excited to see what it has in store. And hopefully five, ten years down the road, we can see somebody get drafted to the NBA out of it. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think within the next five years, next year, they're bringing in Montreal. Yep. Uh, So that's huge. I know there's talk about a uh, Calgary expansion team within the next couple of years as well. Yep. So going from seven to nine teams over the next three, four years, hopefully, that would be fantastic. The growth has uh, been phenomenal. Yeah, the, it's fantastic. And, you know, the merch is relatively inexpensive. Jerseys are 100 bucks, uh, so that's super good. You know, just like the CFL where it's under $150 for a jersey. That's Shane mentioned jerseys. That's teasing something that we're going to announce later too, by the way. Okay, I guess. I, I'm, I'm in the blue on this, apparently. No, you're not. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. About oh, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's something to stay tuned for. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. Um, but, you know, they're, the, the merch is affordable. The games are affordable. And, honestly, if you're a basketball fan, it's worth watching. So yeah, absolutely. I, I would not be surprised within the, by 2030, this could be the second best league in North America. Uh, what what else do we have other than the G League? Is there anything? No, not really. It's the G League, and that looks like it's going to be a development league. Yeah. I mean, that's – I think the ultimate goal for this league, if I'm not mistaken, is probably to be a North American version of any FIBA basketball league and just kind yeah. of use it as an alternative. I don't know. They're not you know, trying to compete with the NBA. They're no, not trying to not. be – 
you know, anything like the NBA. They, they're bringing back the Elam ending. Yeah. So if you don't know what the Elam ending is, so the, the ones that weren't paying attention last year, which I don't blame you, you know, last year was a lot to handle. You might not have uh, – basically the fourth quarter doesn't matter. Uh, to think last year was by seven, uh, seven or eight. Basically, they take your total, whatever you have finished the third quarter, and then it added seven to it. Well, the fourth, went, they played, they, they played uh, what, six minutes of yeah, the fourth it was quarter, like and six, they cut the clock, and yes. then added seven points to the team who's leading? Yeah, so it's like the first six minutes of the 12, you go up, and then at the six-minute mark, it, it cuts off. And if you have, um, you know, let's say the team, one team, team A has 80, the team B has 75, well, 87 is the score to win. The first team to 87 wins. Yeah. I think that's great. They're bringing it back this year, so that should be super fun to watch. It's, that's going to be an interesting storyline, too. Part of me thinks it's stupid because you work the whole game to just lose it because there's no clock. But at the same time, you also can't just sit on the lead and just run the clock out. I think It also this stops is, blowouts, right? It stops teams from yeah. beating a team by like 25. Well, not necessarily. It it can actually garbage prolong time, that right? blowout. But um, – yeah, like I like having to win the game on a made shot. Yeah. It, it, it made some for some very fun endings last year. Yeah. A lot of close games. Yep. A lot of games where you went into that final being like, oh, yeah, you know, what team A is going to win. And the next thing you know, team B is within a bucket of you, it. You miss a couple shots in a row. The other team gets on a six point run and boom, you're in a tie ball game. Yeah. Like, so, like, it makes for some very interesting basketball. So we'll be covering that once that gets started next Thursday. Uh, we'll have our e- uh, CEBL weekly report every Tuesday to kind of wrap up the weekend of sports. Uh, but outside of that, I, we don't really have much in terms of new projects outside of uh, the CBL and some CPL stuff, obviously. Uh, Frank, do you have anything to add before we run off? Uh, no, I, I don't think so, other than sorry for falling asleep tomorrow or yesterday. Um, but, yeah, we had fun tonight anyway. That was a good show. A lot of CFL talk. Uh, again, thank you everyone for tuning in. Remember, you can follow me at Shane underscore Rye 13, Frankie at Frankie underscore Benvo. Our, and you can follow us 13 Man Sports on any of the social media platforms. We'll have our episodes pop, uh, loaded onto podcast form on Wednesdays. So check out for that. Uh, remember to subscribe, like, share the video on YouTube. We appreciate all the support. And we'll catch you back here next weekend our next Tuesday with a brand new episode of the 13 man sports.